Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm the king of all podcasters, Javier. Or Javi. (laughs) And uh, this week we're talking about the 2014 movie Godzilla. So what's special about this movie compared to the other ones that we've uh, done is I think this is the first one where we actually watched in theaters together for the first time. Yeah, as you know, 2014 was not that long ago, so luckily Angel and I, like, are going to have very similar experiences. We were really hyped for this movie. Uh, we're huge kaiju fans. So it was just awesome to finally enjoy a good Godzilla movie as it came out. Because Angel and I, unfortunately, are, I don't know, maybe 10 years too young to remember Godzilla in his prime. or Really that prime heyday of good Godzilla movies. Well, I mean, we're obviously way, way young, especially if you want to talk about movies from the Showa era, which is like the most famous, campy, beloved Godzilla fights all (laughs) monsters, like, you know, series. Mm -hmm. Um, Godzilla goes and it it undergoes an evolution, right? In terms of the franchise. So I, I, we spoke about this a little bit off mic, but, um, you know, we, we both really do get into kaiju movies. And I'm specifically a giant nerd for the Godzilla franchise itself. I just really like giant monsters and giant <laughs> robots and anything that's bigger than it should be. I'm just a huge fan of stuff like that. When I was younger, I was definitely more into the Godzilla fights monsters era of movies. Oh, okay. It is a really simple thing to get into when you're young, right? Um, you don't really care for what a lot of the human characters have to say. Mm-hmm. You could easily fast forward the entire movie to di- to the giant monster fights at the end. And I actually did. I remember doing that a lot with the earlier movies where my dad would just rent them for me. And then I would just fast forward to like the last 30 minutes of the movie. Because <laughs> you knew exactly what was there at the end. Yeah, which is funny because... That's gonna. That's some foreshadowing for something I might mention later in this movie. <laughs> we get into it, um, but the franchise itself it starts with the you know classic 1954 uh, Godzilla, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was a movie that came out about a decade after the end of World War II. Um, it's a movie that's got a lot of sharp political commentary. And it's easy to forget just how dark the origins of this character are. Um, In the original film, one of the things that makes Godzilla's attack on Japan devastating is that on top of the fact that he's destroying buildings, Godzilla is essentially clothed in radiation. So he's like a walking nuclear bomb in many ways. Mm. And a lot of the damage that comes from his... uh, you know, from his attack on Tokyo is not just people who are caught in earthquakes or or buildings that collapse, but lots of them with radiation poisoning. Mm. Uh, And it's, you know, again, it's very grim. It's very dark. The movie uh, has a a, uh, scientist character whose last name is Sarazawa, uh, which is why, like, I, you know, we'll get into it more as we get into this movie, but I love that this movie... You brings know, that back. It, it just... He, Gareth Edwards has a love for the Godzilla mythos. And just... 
you know, even with his Star Wars movie, like, he's the kind of guy who likes calling back to beloved moments in a franchise. Mm-hmm. So, uh, his, his the reference of the name Sarazawa comes from the original movie. Mm-hmm. And what Sarazawa does is he uh, creates an uh, oxygen destroyer machine that basically, like, vaporizes and poisons, like, the oxygen and water. Or something, right? Like mm-hmm. it is one of those things that just completely. And it, it, it's there's it, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief. It's, if you're it's gonna universal wanna... monster science. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like because this device, whatever it does, doesn't really make the water disappear. It's just he triggers it, and then Godzilla's like bones just land at the bottom of the sea after. <laughs> so it's a little it's a little ridiculous, uh, but a lot of the um, arguments in that movie among the characters are whether or not they should have such a powerful weapon and whether or not they should use such a powerful weapon. And that's a very poignant topic for a movie from a country from of all countries. Uh you know, a country that was the direct victim of a nuclear bomb. And to me, my favorite movies in the Godzilla franchise as an adult now are those movies the movies that the deal ones. the movies that are dealing with those with those issues right mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I thought I thought that this movie was gonna play into that a lot, which is why I got super excited about it mm-hmm. um, God they tried to do Godzilla like bring him into American films for the first time around the 1980s in like a failed film that never got made. Uh-huh. I think the most famous never been made Godzilla movie is actually from 19 is was supposed to be released in 1994. And if you go and do a Google search online, you could even find if you search Godzilla 1994, you can find the poster that was supposed to be uh, for that movie. Really? And you can also uh see some of the mocks for uh Godzilla and the monster that he was supposed to be fighting in it. So, so uh, I can actually get, go into that. Um, so why did it get scrapped? Well, it's uh, it's hard to know exactly what happened that made the movie like not become one of those projects. But I, you know, don't you just love those like never happened movies that always like exist in Hollywood? It's it <laughs> sucks because there's so many of those that you look back and you're like, that movie would have been amazing if it actually happened. I actually like a lot of the stuff that they were positing in this movie. So this movie was supposed to be written and directed by Jan de Bont. And Jan mm-hmm. de Bont is most famous for doing Speed. Oh, sweet! The film, not the drug. <laughs> I mean, both of them are pretty cool. <laughs> but, um, so the movie was uh, going to revolve around a scientist and his, uh, a scientist and her husband. And uh, she was basically going to be the Captain Ahab to, like, the Godzilla creature who... You know, at an earlier part in the movie, uh, did something that killed her husband, which is funny. Like that kind of part of it, like mm-hmm. I feel like it ends up in this movie it somehow. Does. I was about to mention there. That's kind of a. There's definitely a Captain Ahab <laughs> character in this film. Yeah, so it's it, there is a similarity there in that way, um, but the character that was supposed to. So there was Godzilla was supposed to have maybe been created by some sort of red amniotic liquid that existed in the arctic yeah and he wasn't the only thing that was created by that but the uh, film actually would have revolved around not just godzilla but a uh, a creature that he had to fight and defeat at the end of the movie mm-hmm. and it was referred to as the griffin so the griffin is like you know much like the 
the mythical creature, right? Um, so it would have been a giant lion thing with wings. Yep. And and again, this that's is... That's kind of rad. And this is one of those things where uh, if you, again, if you do a Google search right now, you'd be able to find it. Actually, as a matter of fact, you should put that up on the uh, old socials. Yo, Griffin looked kind of cool. Like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I mean not not the shitty one where it was like just a, a Photoshop like lion with wings on it. <laughs> like that would have been super stupid, but like actual Griffin looked like a really cool cross between like uh, like it did it did have lion characteristics, but it had the wings and it still looked reptilian. Like it looked pretty dope. Like Yeah. I, so it, it it looked like an interesting movie and the script is actually there is a script for it that's actually like in the world somewhere that you uh, could find on the internet if you wanted to. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the whole giving him a, a an origin though. I just like the idea of Godzilla just existing and like these I don't monsters. Rem- I don't just recall existing. if he, if it actually gave an origin or if it just gave hints of, of some, some somewhere he may have come. They from. just came from weird like space goo, yeah. space juice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, apparently Yandabant and uh, Sony Pictures could not come up with a agreement on what the budget for the movie was going to be, and I guess like Sony thought it was going to be way too expensive. And remember, we were supposed to get this movie instead. We got that 1998 drizzling shits with Matthew Broderick. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. Like, the movie gets plunged into development hell, and then until eventually they hire Roland Emmerich to come in and uh, complete the project in oh, 1998. Oh, my God. Uh, which Ro- Roland Emmerich, like, completely scraps everything that was uh, considered before then. It gets turned into some fucking ripoff of Jurassic Park somehow. Yes, that's exactly what happens. Because Godzilla <laughs> becomes skinny and a giant T-Rex. It's not even like really a T-Rex. Like they, it just looks like an iguana, right? Like it's if you because uh, isn't that the whole thing? Is that supposed to be a mutated iguana? It's so stupid. <laughs> Leave it to Americans to fuck it up. <laughs> And he comes from like the French Polynesian River instead of like or like the So that's why Jean Renault was in the movie? Yeah. I always wondered why he was there. And yeah. that movie's been out for like twenty one years. That apparently like the French the, at least he felt somewhat uh responsible, so he comes in. Like it actually featured zero Japanese characters at all, except no. for the cartoonish uh fisherman who is filmed <laughs> saying Gojira into into someone's lighter that's like moving back and forth. Oh my god. <laughs> so that's the history of Godzilla on film. And um so the again the Japanese Godzilla movies they undergo a phase where after the original darker chapters they're like um, let's uh, lighten it up real quick. Yeah, they go into like a mega campy uh, era where you know Godzilla has you know, fights all Mothra and Bathra and <laughs> Rodan. Yeah. And well, Rodan was its own thing too. And same there's Gamera, right? Like mm-hmm. Gamera, but Gamera wasn't Toho. Isn't a Toho monster? No, it's not a Toho monster. That's why he's the best. <laughs> and um, it's just really good. Like so, like then destroy all monsters came out in the sixties too, which was which is a bit of a darker take, and it's where like all the monsters attack like different places in the world. And Gareth Edwards has always said that if he got the opportunity to do a sequel to Godzilla, that he wanted to do a Destroy All Monsters movie. Is that the one that brought in all the alien monsters, too? Like, Gigan and Space Godzilla? And... I, I have not watched Destroy All Monsters, like, in over 15 years, so I can't tell you. Well, then, I think I know what we're going to review at some point. <laughs> I would love to. Like, I mean, if we really get around to, to picking some classic Godzilla that we can, like, 
cram into an episode, like, I am all for that. And if you guys have no idea who we're talking about with some of these monsters, Google them, because some of them are really trippy and cool looking. Like, Gigan is a weird robo-bird T-Rex thing. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're really trippy looking. Like, they, they, they're actually very creative, like monsters and i i'm at that i think that's why i'm a huge fan of the franchise is just the like how can a human come up with how some of these things look like they're yeah. really cool like yeah you got your basic looking ones like arden Ar- ardenus ardonis i never know how to pronounce his name but and like rodan but then you have like you know king Ghidorah, and it just like oh or Ghidorah, depending how much of a purist you are but, um, yeah, there's just real, some really cool concepts for what these monsters look like. Right. And, um, and also, like, there was the tradition of Americans, like, watering it down and making terrible versions of it from the very beginning, right? Like, the original 1954 Godzilla, uh, it is a very art, like, just wonderful stand standalone movie. Mm-hmm. And when it was released in the States, they essentially... So, the name Godzilla King of the Monsters was the American title... To the original Godzilla movie. Really? And what they did was they added an American character <laughs> in it who was a reporter. And uh, it was it was Raymond Burr, who I think a lot of people would know from Perry Mason. Mm-hmm. People who are was Perry Mason? much older. Yeah. Aw, I was hoping it was going to be Matlock so you can hear my <laughs> Abe Simpson impression. <laughs> but, uh... And it's just kind of like, I've seen that version of it too, and it's pretty whack. Because, like, he's, <laughs> as Godzilla's, like, destroying Japan, like, he's telling the audience that Godzilla's destroying Japan. And it's just like, I'm like, you know what? Like, this is, don't fuck with perfection. Like, <laughs> there no we way. go again, throwing our dicks where it don't need to be. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, overall, like, he feels like a character that was thrown in, like, in the last minute as well. Yeah. Like, there's scenes where, where all the characters from Gojira are actually talking to each other, and then, like, he'll be, like... In the corner? He'll be in the corner, <laughs> where you know he was, like, the only guy on screen saying lines. <laughs> it would be hilarious if they just, like, was so on the nose about how American he was. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Johnny Freedom? His name was... You know it's really funny? I swear to God, if... It, what? Steve Martin. Wow, that's pretty American. <laughs> yeah. It could have been Steve Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess... Steve Freedom Man Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> and so, after Godzilla kind of goes into hibernation, I mean, like, the series itself, right? Like Ah, that's very <laughs> on point. <laughs> after, like, after the 70s, like, it just kind of, like, goes away for a while and goes dormant, right? Um, they bring it back in 1984 with Godzilla Returns. Mm. Um, and Godzilla Returns was supposed to be the, you know, Japanese bringing it back. So in this continuity, it's the second time Godzilla's ever attacked Japan. And even though it's a much more gritty take on it than any of the films of the last decade were, uh, there was still a point where (laughs) they had like a futuristic, like, they call it a Super X fighter, like... Like, it looked like a spaceship. Fuck yeah! That was supposed to be used to try to destroy Godzilla at one point in the movie. Man, <laughs> I love how much Japan doesn't give a fuck about just how cool and like stupid their science things are. Well, the American rights for that movie, for Godzilla Returns, were sold to 
New World Pictures, uh, Roger Corman, right? Mm-hmm. Who was famously like the dirt cheap, like you know, Hollywood director who would just love to just make a movie as cheap as possible, right? <laughs> so, but what he did was actually pretty interesting. Was they bought the rights to it, and then they also they brought Raymond Burr back as Why? a much older man. Why to, you picked the worst one to essentially be like you know returning as the character of Steve Martin in this. Uh, new Godzilla franchise. So that series goes on until somewhere in the 90s and the American Godzilla like left such a bad taste in everyone's mouth that that's when they returned with the Millennium series, right? Which yeah, Godzilla, Godzilla 2000. Yeah, Godzilla 2000 and then Final Wars uh, then, that goes after that. I still haven't seen Final Wars. I it's, think I saw some of Godzilla 2000 if I remember correctly. I think the, the most in there. The most famous part for me out of Final Wars is they actually because Toho owns the rights to the American Godzilla. Yep. They in their canon they have renamed him Zilla because nice. essentially saying that the Americans took the god out of Godzilla. Ooh. <laughs> but um toot, 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 toot. So the CGI uh, Zilla from the 98 movie actually appears in Final Wars at one point. And he gets completely obliterated by Godzilla in like three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so is Final War supposed to be like all Godzillas from different continuities? And no, back? it's just it's just Godzilla versus and a ton of monsters. Like it is it's supposed to be like a giant Avengers endgame of the Godzilla franchise. Man, Avengers Endgame would have been so much better if Godzilla was there. <laughs> just say it. So after that happened, the franchise goes dormant for another ten years, right? Mm-hmm. Because Final Wars was supposed to be the fiftieth anniversary of Godzilla, so the twenty fourteen film was the sixtieth anniversary. Ah, gotcha. Um, so But in between that time, like I know there was a long period of time where we weren't getting any kind of kaiju movies. And, like, you know, Jurassic Park wasn't even a thing. Like, Jurassic Park 4 was in development hell for, like, 15 years. I mean, if you really want to consider Jurassic Park 4 a kaiju movie, you can. No, I mean, I'm but just talking about, like, just anything, anything like that. Anything with giant monsters, yeah. yeah. Like, at least, in, at least in American filmmaking, Well, we got right? the host. Well, yeah, but, uh, like you said, that's a, that's a Korean movie. Yeah. Also really good. I recommend it. But, I think one of the reasons why Gareth Edwards was picked to do this movie mm-hmm. is he, in 2010... Uh, made a ultra low budget, awesome, awesome movie called Monsters, which I am still. I think I've seen parts of it. Which still to this day, like I love so much, and I wish he would have brought more of that into his Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. So the plot of Monsters is a uh, reporter, and I guess so. It's like a it's like a, a reporter photographer. Who's supposed to help get his uh, boss's daughter out of uh, Mexico? And that's right. Yeah, and yeah, Mexico yeah, yeah. in this in this like story has like you know been dealing with the fallout of monsters from outer space coming, and like this is a world where now like we just live in this world where monsters like level the world all the time like you know we have these very pacific rim s right like like you just learn to live with all these exactly giant monsters that fuck your life up. except the sharp commentary that comes out of it and some people would call it obvious but you know what 
given the way things are right now politically, mm-hmm. I think it's I I don't think it's sharp. I don't think it's it's on the nose enough. I mean, this movie came out in what year? 2010. 2010. And we started the talks about building a wall along the southern border about 6 years later thanks <laughs> to President Trump. I so, mean, uh, it's always kind of been a thing, right? Like is it since the-, the Bush administration, it's always been like a thing about the border and there was border like, oh, yeah, renovations like, that were done at yeah. that time. But the interesting thing about the world that this movie presented, Monsters, was that a lot of the actual monsters that landed on Earth were basically relegated to brown countries. <laughs> like, and that's, and, and yep. that's, and they spend the entire time traveling up Mexico to get to the border. And by the time they get to the border, they realize that it's a giant. Just a big ass wall, gigantic wall, and um, you know, yeah, sure. The commentary is obvious, but in this time, it's like you know, it it should be obvious. It now. sounds like libtard propaganda. <laughs> I don't like it. This is why I'm joining the space force to fight the space Mexicans. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I found out this guy was going to be the one that did Godzilla. I was super excited for it. And we'll talk about how I felt about this movie when we really get into it. But um, There was one movie that makes me excited for this new Godzilla continuity. And although you load the political aspects, for me it was Pacific Rim. Because that means I get one day I will see Jet Jaguar. And Jet Jaguar <laughs> will turn into a giant. And he will beat the shit out of a, like Gigan and Space Godzilla. Because you know what? It's canon. Jet Jaguar is strong enough to destroy all monsters, but he chooses not to. <laughs> well, funny enough, like... There's, in, just, in... there's just two different types of people that like these Godzilla movies. <laughs> and I think Angel and I capture that audience perfectly. So this movie uh, starts with a... I guess it is in Japan in 1999. And... Uh, this is supposed to be a... Well, I mean, the opening credits obviously show something in 1954, right? Where the original Godzilla was made. They show a, like, dropping of some sort of atom bomb into the ocean. Which you naturally assume are just nuclear tests. And mm-hmm. as the credit scene continues, like, it's really cool. They show bits of information that immediately are are blacked out as if they've been getting redacted. Which is a very common... Uh, government or military practice whenever you're dealing with something that's top secret and is only, you know, for a need-to-know basis, right? So, 1999, we we are introduced to one of our main characters because, honestly, this... I would kind of call it not exactly an ensemble piece, but, I mean, there is a lot of good actors, you know? There's Ken Watanabe, there's uh, Bryan Cranston, who those two alone... Like honestly, if they bring a lot of good acting. Oh to yeah, this and film. Brian Cranston was coming right off of Breaking Bad, so he like his popularity, his stock, he's probably never been higher. So at this point, right in the build up to this film, you thought that this was going to be Brian Cranston's big coming out party from the small screen to major motion yeah. pictures. Turns out that was actually Power Rangers, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ishiro, Ishiro. Sarazawa, oh man, I'm going to butcher the the Japanese names. Ishiro Sarazawa and Vivian Graham are two scientists that work for Monarch. 
So Monarch in this world is essentially giant, giant monster detective agency. They just go around the entire world and they chronicle and study giant monsters. They are essentially the shield of this shared universe. Except they have definitely a much more scientific uh, approach than S.H.I.E.L.D. does. Well, oh, for Shield, sure. While S.H.I.E.L.D. is, let's throw a bunch of superheroes at it, you live in a world where you have no superheroes, so let's just throw wave after wave of humans <laughs> at it. But they're also like the common uh, agency that crosses through Godzilla. So the, um, the, the and... interesting thing about Monarch is, like you were saying, they're a UN-backed multinational group of scientists and engineers it's like it's even though giant monsters aren't technically a thing in this world they're real enough that world governments have like this hush society or this hush group well and in this universe it's been around yeah i'm not sure if you got the opportunity to watch kong skull island no, I watched it with you. Oh yeah, we watched it together. We also so when we review that one, we're gonna talk about how we <laughs> watched that movie together too. <laughs> that is true. But yeah, Monarch is the common thread, right? Because yep. Monarch is also in there, and it's a mo- It's a fucking awesome movie. Like I, I think don't it's wanna, underrated. I don't want to review it right now because I'd love to do an episode on it like alone. Yeah. But I love that movie so much. Like I did not have high expectations for it and really the only reason why I wanted to watch it was to prepare myself for the you know got the monster universe that this is supposed to be building right this giant monster verse mm-hmm. that we're getting um but in I ended up really loving that film and it's funny enough that this franchise <laughs> so this franchise is bringing back the three principal characters from straight out of Compton because in, in Kong Skull Island, uh, Eric Mitchell, who played Easy E in that film, and then mm-hmm. also God, I forget what the what the actor's name is, but the guy who played Doctor Dre in there, he's is in also it too, in yeah. it as well. And then the new the new King of the Monsters movie has O'Shea Jackson O'Shea, Jr. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. So, <laughs> so there's a weird so, connection between Straight Outta Compton and the Godzilla MonsterVerse. Two things I never would thought would go together. <laughs> But, um, I mean, also, you know, there's a lot of good actors in these movies. Oh, for sure. So, who was it? It was Graham and Sarazawa. They go investigate in the Philippines a uranium mine where they find a kaiju skeleton. Not sure what it is, uh, but it lo- but Sarazawa, you know, figures that the, it something sprouted from there. That it looks there was like a giant fossilized rock. That's what's crazy. It's like how massive... It looks like the size of the cavern itself. Mm-hmm. So Sarazawa figures that something had sprouted out of here. And they go to, towards the back of the caves and they see a big ass hole <laughs> going through the mountainside with a trail of destruction leading into the Pacific Ocean. So it's at this time that we're introduced to who we think is going to be the hero. Uh, I think, oh God, what's his name? Joe Graham? Joe Ford. No, Ford. Joe Ford. If no, if Ford, is Joe... Ford is the, is the kid's name. Oh. Joe, I want to say his name is Graham. Let me, let me double check. So I shit you not, his name is Joe Brody. <laughs> so for my, uh, for my Hood Slam fans on, uh, that also listen to our podcast, uh, you can you got it here first confirmed. Brian Cranston's character was named after Joe uh, Joseph or Joe Brody. 
Just saying. So he is like the lead engineer at this. I think it, I don't know if engineer would be the term, but he's like the lead guy at this uh, nuclear power plant uh, based out of what's this? Janjira, 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 the nuclear power plant in Japan. So there's a lot of unusual seismic activity, a lot of stuff that's really setting, you know, setting off the whistle bells. Um, but we, I mean, we get to see the kind of relationship Joe has with his, his family. family. And I'm, I don't know. I could be wrong. I could have misread the scene, but to me, the vibe I got was that he doesn't really have a, the best relationship with his family. Absolutely he, not. He seems like the kind of guy that like throws himself completely into his work. Um, to the point where it's almost obsessive, you know? Right. Uh, meanwhile, his son Ford, Ford Brody is, you know, like he's like maybe 12, 10, 12 years old, uh, growing up in Japan, at least right now. Uh, you can tell he has a much better experience or a much better relationship with his mom at the time. Yeah. So when, you know, they drop him off at school, they go to the nuclear power plant, the seismic activity going on actually causes a breach in the nuclear core and the nuclear core <laughs> and it you know causes a giant me- well essentially a meltdown right mm-hmm. so joe has to make a choice uh you know they 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 get everyone out of the they evacuate the plant uh joe's wife sandra is running she's booking it along with the team that goes in to try to control the or you know contain the breach and they're booking it and Joe has to make a very difficult decision, which is contain the fallout, the nuclear fallout, or, you know, or save his wife risking everybody. So he ends up deciding to close the, the shutter doors, uh, saving the island from further nuclear destruction, however, dooming his wife and the rest of the researchers to their death in the nuclear fallout. Um... There is explosions off into the distance. And while they're able to escape, um, there's also like a lot of tremors and a lot of stuff that causes the destruction of the plant. Mm. Um, Cuts to 15 years later. So we get introduced to Ford Brody, who people will remember from the Kick-Ass series. Yeah. So this is another guy who I thought... I, I had a lot of really warm and fuzzy thoughts about Aaron Taylor Johnson like when I watched Kick-Ass because I just loved that movie so much. It was good. When it came out. um, I thought this guy was going to be a star. Uh, He and his co-star, Elizabeth Olsen. Yep. They were both... The good Olsen sister. (laughs) They were both slated to just the very next year. They're both playing brother and sister in Avengers Age of Ultron. That makes this movie super weird all of a sudden, because here they're married. uh, I'm sorry, uh, Elizabeth Olsen plays uh, Elle. I think her name's Elle Ford. And they have a child. I think his name is Sam. Hmm. So they're a nice little cute family. And I was like, oh, they actually look kind of cute together. And then, you know, a year later, I watch Age of Ultron. They're like, no, we're brother and sister. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? Comic book fans will acknowledge that, that, you know, what's her name? Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were totally bumping uglies in the comic book series, so. (laughs) 
Well, I'll just say this. I, I thought uh, I thought that Aaron Taylor Johnson was going to be a big star, and I thought he was going to be a really good actor. And I have to admit, like the stuff I've seen him in, I don't like him. Elizabeth Olsen is like the only person to blow up after this movie. That's really interesting to me. Like, because I really thought that Brian Cranston was going to break out and become a big, super serious Hollywood actor. I thought that Kick-Ass Kid was going to break out and try to become, like, a new action hero or some shit. And it's like both of them kind of fell flat, you know? They're so flat. And it's unfortunate that this movie is... I think the biggest criticism of this movie and something I didn't want to see for a very long time until recently when we started to... When I watched this for this podcast... I don't like the human characters in no, this movie. No, I am glad you said it because I was going to say it. The human characters are so fucking insufferable in this movie. And pretty stupid. If it's not Serizawa, I am fucking with it. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm, like there's a reason why he's one of the only people that are coming back. And I, I'm not going to lie. like I like Joe Brody because he's also like the dark side he's like the dark side of your he's the dark side of your researchers right because like we were mentioning he becomes uh he becomes like that captain ahab character you know over these last 15 years he's completely obsessed with what happened at at the nuclear power plant because then the united states government as well as the uh, japanese government have quarantined the zone They've quarantined the area that the that they all lived in, and there's you know they don't let people in, and he becomes, he essentially becomes like doing a callback to Zodiac, he becomes Robert Graysmith, like he becomes obsessed with what happened at that power plant. He he becomes obsessed with finding the truth to the point that he becomes estranged from his son, and even though he's not a likable character. I like him because of what he represents when you have the flip side, that curiosity, that that kind of that sense of wonder over these monsters, this respect and fear, but at the same time the the wonder Serizawa has. You know, I think it's a good contrast to that character. I think this movie is highly hurt in my esteem because 2 years later, um we get Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla comes out from Toho Studios and let me just say, to anyone who has any interest in actual fan-fucking-tastic Godzilla story, like, that is probably, it has to be my second favorite after the first one now. Mm -hmm. Like, it is really freaking good. And the point of Godzilla in that movie is that he's less of a monster. I mean, obviously he's a monster. But he's not even, he's barely sentient. And he's more of a force of nature and in that. And that's what's so biz- crazy about it. Dude. And that movie like revolves around how the government of Japan is going to deal with it. Now, the problem I have in this movie is that I cannot get into any of the human characters at all. Shin Godzilla, despite the fact that none of the other none of the characters in Shin Godzilla are, they're not emotionally bringing me in, but they're interesting and funny enough. Like there's enough. There's enough comedy there. Like, there's a certain section of the movie where it's just, like, the misfits that are all trying yep. to, you know, that are all, all... the people that are willing to believe the protagonist that, you know, what they should do. And it's all the guys that are like, I don't give a fuck what my boss thinks. And part of why I really like that is because the underlying commentary in that... Because Shin Godzilla won the Japanese equivalent of the Academy Award. As it should have. It was really well done. Like. <laughs> and um, part of what the story was trying to get across is that... 
Japan has spent way too much time listening to older people with old ideas. Mm-hmm. And the heroes in that movie are the younger politicians who have new, fresh ideas. And they're actually the ones that end up defeating Godzilla in that film. And it's so crazy to me. And and again, I was mentioning this earlier when we were watching a little bit of, little bit of the movie to kind of refresh our memory. Um, it tells you such a big difference in the cultural... The like the the cultures between the U.S. and Japan, because the heroes in Shin Godzilla aren't fucking spec ops soldiers. They're not fucking career military. It's it, it's it's like you said. It's congressmen. It's fucking it's politicians. It's scientists. It's it's um it's like aid workers and res- and like emergency response workers. And it's a, it's not one guy that stands out like Ford Brody does in this movie. It's literally the one guy that gets the entire team together, you know, and they find, and it's like how this team comes up with a clever plan to be able to stop Godzilla and not just, um, and it's not just like in this movie where we have such a hard on for, for all these like, for kind of gun porn and military porn, where which was weird to me because okay, I know that there's a lot of people who are in the military who probably live in San Francisco. San Francisco is not a city that's known for its military. It's not a military like, town. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it, there's there's yeah, obviously. I mean, we do have a city. Okay, before we say some shit where we yeah. gotta do corrections yeah. later, like I don't think like when I think of San Diego, like I know that is a navy town. You know, I know from people that. I know that grew up down there and well, San Francisco there, you know? does have Fort Mason, right? Like, I mean, it is there. There are things there, yeah, right. Like, but what I'm saying is, it, these aren't the kind of characters that I relate with that, yeah. And I and and I think that that's the problem. Like this movie, I I, I had so much expectations for it because of the person who was directing it that in the end it really feels hollow. And I think that's one of the things that I didn't like about it and that I'm kind of disappointed by. And that I really hope that Godzilla King of the Monsters corrects. Yeah. Because on top of the fact that they're taking more of a whimsical godlike, um, you know, they're they're looking at the creatures in that movie as more of gods. Mm-hmm. And it's more wondrous, like, you know, at least the trailers, right? Where it's yeah. just like, it's, it's, it's like these weird haunting versions of you know, somewhere over the rainbow and stuff like that. Like, yeah. And, and also it stars like, you know, Vera Farmiga, who I love from the conjuring and who was in the departed. <laughs> like, it's funny. Like I, the first movie I saw her in was the departed and I thought she was going to have a giant career as a leading lady in Hollywood. And how interestingly enough, like she's ended up as much of a genre actress after. I'm so sad that people only know Vera Farmiga as either the girl from the conjuring or the girl that banged Leo DiCaprio on The Departed, but no one ever remembers her for her role in uh, Running Scared with Paul Walker, because that movie, like, I may say kind of memeing, but that movie's actually really good, and I do recommend it, and I think she was amazing, and she was such a badass character in that movie that I was like, oh shit, Hmm. she might actually be like a new badass leading lady, like, not afraid to do action movies, and unfortunately she never, nothing really came out. And of course Kyle Chandler is in it too. Who everyone loves. That's right. Coach Taylor from Friday Everyone's Night Lights. Everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Millie Bobby Brown is in it. And my understanding, and uh, spoiler alert for those who don't want to know this ahead of Godzilla King of the Monsters, but my understanding is that she is supposed to be 
the person who is tethered to Mothra in the new movie. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Can't wait for her to ride in with Mothra. <laughs> Start killing other <laughs> monsters. So I was going to say killing people, but I was like, Mothra actually likes us. <laughs> So I really can't wait for that. But again, it's just it's just I'm highly disappointed in just how hollow it felt, like and just how much I didn't care about the characters. And also to compare this to another movie that we've recently reviewed, which is Zodiac. Zodiac, despite the fact that a lot of it was filmed in backlots and on CGI, like it had such a real tactile feel for San Francisco that I felt like I was in the city seeing things that I would see in the city, right? This movie feels like somebody had heard about the San Francisco Bay Area from a friend of a friend of a cousin who lived here, and they were like, that's all I need. It's literally Vancouver. Like, this movie was shot in Vancouver, and the skyline doesn't feel particularly like San Francisco outside of the Transamerica Tower. Uh, They don't have the newer Salesforce Tower, which... To my knowledge, did open around that time. Like it was being built, at least. You know what I mean? Like it's just it. I there's the ferry building. Like you know, like around, you recognize that. You yeah. recognize Chinatown. You, you recognize, recognize the Bay Bridge at one point. You recognize the Golden Gate for sure because that something super important happens there. But aside from that, it feels like what a tourist would go see. Yeah. As opposed to Zodiac, where it was made by somebody who was from here and understands, like, the landmarks and where locals go. Like, it felt, like, so bizarre. Like, it was, it was like, this guy, whoever wanted to do cinematography was just like, hey, my, I'm gonna go look at my grandpa's, like, pictures when he visited San Francisco a while ago. Yeah, you know? Like, yeah. it's super weird. And I can forgive a lot of things. Like, I can forgive the fact that they go over the Golden Gate Bridge to get the kids to Oakland. Because, oh yeah, I get it. You're going to go around the monsters. I guess I'm okay with that. I can Well, just geographically, that doesn't make sense. You don't get to Oakland from the Golden no, Gate Bridge. No, you don't. But, like, you, <laughs> I can explain it away because they're going away from, from the monsters, right? And the idea is they're trying to get them to the East Bay area. So, I, I can forgive it. I can forgive the geographic stuff. I can even forgive that weird-ass park. Have you ever been to Oakland Bay Area Park? I know I haven't. <laughs> oh my god. I will forgive all that shit. I will forgive the weird Bart sign. I cannot fucking forgive a red coliseum. I have been there too many times. I have been drunk there too many times for me to be like, oh yeah, they got the coliseum right. No, fuck you guys. That was bullshit. I think what's really weird is that usually movies that take place in San Francisco, like they actually are filmed in San Francisco. Like Venom has that has that awesome like feel to it. Like that whole that whole motorcycle chase scene through Lombard Street and through down through like uh, Soma and shit. That was really fucking cool, and it was done on site. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's it's. And the funny thing is, the reason why we're paying attention to this kind of stuff is because the human characters are not interesting. Yep. If also, we're, were, I mean, we're we're big ass homers, but we can tell you guys that they fucked up <laughs> talking about our home. That's why. <laughs> like, okay, so in the storyline of the movie, we're following Ford around a lot, and um, Ford, you know. Ford goes with his dad to this uh, to this go to devastation Japan. site in Japan. Yep. Uh, so he leaves the night 
that he immediately after he returns. Oh, wait, wait. Mind you, so we didn't even talk about. So the reason why Ford, Ford's in the military, he is a EOD. Bomb like, expert. He's yeah. a bomb expert. He works in disposal. Um, so he comes back on leave. Immediately from coming home, he finds out his dad was arrested in Japan. So he has to fly back to Japan. Or I don't know where he was. But he has to leave San Francisco immediately to go get his dad. His dad can somehow convinces him. Which, before that, and I know that you can say that this is not something that he can control. But he tells his kid that he's not going. That When his kid asks if he's going to be there tomorrow, he says yes. And he's not. Which basically makes him an asshole. <laughs> and he's a liar. He's a, li- he's a liar to his kids. <laughs> I was like, dude. Don't make promises to your kids you can't keep. And they end up going to this nuclear site where apparently he is able to get his disc from... His they go back wonderful to John- 1999 floppy disk <laughs> from whatever Macintosh computer he was using then. Because that's what he needed. <laughs> and uh, they find out that it's not really a nuclear like uh, site. Like, you're able to breathe. The it, air yeah. isn't poisoned. Um, they were lied to by the governments, told that John Jira had become a fucking... Worse than Chernobyl... That it was supposed to be a shithole and no one can survive, and that they would have been died in minutes. They later find out that Monarch actually is taking control of this site because 15 years ago, some monster lashed itself onto the uh, core and had cocooned itself, right? So, ah, oh, crap. What was uh, Watanabe's character's name again? Uh, Shirazawa. Sarazawa. Yeah, I just say Sarazawa. Why not? So Sarah. Well, I mean, pronun- I mean, pronunciation is my strong point. But Sarazawa finds out that uh, Brody's on uh, is on the uh, or he's in the area. So he demands he gets brought in because he's the only man that knows what happened that day. He was there. So they find out through through Brody that there was certain echolocation signals that were being sent out that day. But also that EMP or you know electromagnetic pulses were being generated, uh, same as they did 15 years ago, and it's happening because whatever happened 15 years ago, ha- you know, happened again. And you know they have that really cool. They have that really cool. Uh, and this is why I love Brian Cranston. I love that whole thing where he's where he's locked into the when he's locked in the broom closet and they're like interrogating him. And he has that line that was in the trailer where he's like, it wasn't a bomb, it wasn't an accident, you're hiding something. And then, uh, you know, he goes on and, and he goes on his crazy old man rant. Right, because he screams, it's going to take us back to the Stone Age. It's going to take us back to the Stone Age! And then I think he <clears> says <throat> something to the fa- effect that, you know, like, it killed his wife or some shit like that. And, you you know, this is what I'm saying, like, is where I really feel for Brian Cranston. Which you can kind of feel for him. But he also doesn't know how old, uh, you know, yeah, uh, he's, Ford's I'm, son is. Like, again, I'm much, not forgiving him. He's a much, shitty dad. Much like his son, he is an asshole. Man, the Brody clans are fucking assholes. <laughs> like, you, Brody's are just bad dads, apparently. <laughs> and, you know, all right, well, fine. This is where the monster now, like, comes free. And you find out that that is what was causing all the EMP waves and all that shit. Yep. It is the MUTO, which is the uh, massive unidentified, unidentified terrestrial organism. Even though it can fly, <laughs> which I think one of like the Navy officers points out. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and that's the other thing. Immediately after Monarch fucks up, the military comes in and is like, later, fuckers, we got this. 
So for some reason, um, you know, while all, while all of this happens, um, what's his face? Brian Cranston's character. <laughs> Joe? <laughs> yeah. It ends up dying. Well, uh, he dies from... when the Mudo flies away and destroys yeah. the rest of the... The rest of the site. Which, goodbye, he's done for the rest of this movie. Hey, you guys thought he was going to be fighting Godzilla? <laughs> Surprise, bitch! So now, Aaron, Aaron you know, so now uh, the younger Brody is, is the person who we have to follow. Brody, <laughs> the most, like, like just uncharismatic lead. Like, I really fucking feel for him because I loved him in Kick-Ass, but I think he can only play those awkward this is the This is the portion of the movie where I start feeling like I'm a six-year-old myself watching those old Japanese Godzilla movies where I was ready to skip all the human characters and go straight to the end of the movie where he fought monsters. And when <clears throat> I think you you were totally okay because the only times we see the monsters from here on out are maybe... Three times, and because most of the time Godzilla's swimming, he's swimming to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, the Muto is flying, but we don't really get much action from him, the flying one. And then there's the female Muto, which is where was she? She was in Vegas. So she was in. Was she in the what's it called? The mountain. The the. I think so. Yeah. So she was eating nuclear fallout from there so that she can get all big and pregnant. And then she's working her way and they're going to meet up in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and that's it, really. I mean, we get a little bit of action when Ford, uh, when, uh, um, shit, Brody, Ford Brody, thank you. <laughs> when he gets to Honolulu where um, Godzilla causes a tsunami. <laughs> Yeah. And this is when I was like, we we get our first real look at what Godzilla looks like, and holy shit, is he a chonkers. He's huge. He is huge. What do you think of the Godzilla design from this movie? He's a thick boy. <laughs> I like it because he looks different. Yeah. I like it. I mean, I, I get the joke. This is probably the biggest he'd been to date, right? Because I'm pretty sure Shin Godzilla is bigger than him. Shin Godzilla is bigger. And then if you watch the Netflix Godzilla series... The planet, the the Godzilla planet is the largest one. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, I would love to show you a chart. I'll post that on our social media, too. Oh, which, by the way, well, you know, also to make time, go on and check out that Netflix Godzilla series. It's a three-part anime. I think each each part is, like, what, two hours? Mm. But it's actually really well done. Um, And I think, like Angel was saying... It's one of those that captures what Godzilla movies are supposed to be like. And I think that one in particular does a really good job of... I mean, it says it essentially says, fuck off to the human characters. And yeah. focuses on, holy shit, there's a giant monster. Yeah. And holy shit, that thing is huge! This is Shin Godzilla. So Shin Godzilla <laughs> stands at about 118.5 kilometers. This is 2014 Godzilla. who Which stands at 108 kilometers. And then the planet Godzilla, which is, is 300 motherfucking <laughs> meters. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, dude. Or kilometers. Yep. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was misreading it. So the other Godzilla's... 300 meters. 
they're in meters so 118 meters 108 meters and then 300 meters baby yeah. he lo- oh that's right there was that scene where they're like what's that mountain range and it turns out it's godzilla yeah that's right. but that one's really cool that one's set in the future where apparently the world becomes uninhabitable uninhabitable due to nuclear warfare and that allowed godzilla to grow and become the biggest we have ever seen him right Really good anime. Check it out if you guys want. So, uh, you know, it's, it's... Oh, yeah. In Honolulu. So, instead of caring for his own child, <laughs> Brody decides to take on this other little boy that he finds who gets separated from well, his I family. mean, it's nice that he tries to save him. And I think this is the movie's attempt to make him likable. I was... Re- yeah, I think they're pulling back on the reins. The whole <laughs> time, I was like, oh my god, this kid turns into his short round. <laughs> well, the thing, too, like, where they show the tsunami that gets caused by Godzilla appearing, um, I hated how fake it looked. It looked so bad. And what's really crazy is that if you watch Sin Godzilla... <clears throat> they do a similar scene where Godzilla comes out from the ocean, but the way they suit it mm-hmm. is very much like the 2011 earthquake tsunami that took place in Japan, because what? those videos were all over YouTube, right? What? And you mean you... the country that experienced the destruction of a tsunami firsthand knew how to film a tsunami? <laughs> Well, you know, it's just, it's, again, it's one of those things where, it, like, God, does it feel real? Like, mm-hmm. it feels so real. And this should feel real, but there's so much about it that's just false. And just the shitty CGI in this moment is what I'm not crazy about. Yep. But we do get to see Chonkzilla, and he a thick boy. But he, and you pointed it out, he looks very bear-like. He yeah. does not look reptilian, really. Not completely reptilian. No, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, what was the name of the director? Gareth Edwards? Gareth, I know that Gareth Edwards really wanted him, like, his motions and, like, the movements of the monster to look more like a realistic animal. And we'll be covering Gareth Edwards' follow-up to this uh, 2016's Rogue One. That's right. I can't wait. But, yeah, like, Godzilla doesn't move like a lizard. He moves more like a big lumbering bear. Mm. Uh, and we get to see his first fight with a Mudo, with one of the Mudos. And it's such a tease. Because nothing happens. They they do that stupid thing where it cuts away last minute. Yeah. And I actually watched this movie with a friend of mine who pointed out this movie, one of the one of the shitty things this movie does is it doesn't show you the scenes you want to see. Because the Mudo gets discovered in the middle of this tropical rainforest in on Hawaii and by these uh these soldiers, right? I don't know what branch of the military. I'm assuming Navy SEALs. It literally almost feels like this movie's CGI budget was cut it sometime was. in production. And that's why they couldn't show you the monster. Which, in some cases, can work. And I think Jaws is the most famous example of that. And I think the the fact that the main character's last name is Brody is probably a Jaws reference. I can see that. Um, but this movie... Doesn't work so well. No, when you're when you're marketing your entire movie on how cool your monsters look, and I only see them for maybe ten minutes out of a two-hour movie. Yeah, that's not so good. Right, and and there's only one section of the film, which is when Godzilla and the Mutos finally arrive into San Francisco. Like that is the only place where you can see them in daylight, mm-hmm. um, for the most part in this film. Right. Yeah. Um. It, again, this is a scene that feels like it should be. The best scene in the movie, which is Godzilla arriving and destroying the Golden Gate Bridge by moving through it. Yep. 
Um, and again, every Godzilla always has the first attack, which is when they first find out that it's there, the first thing that we do with giant monsters is we try to shoot blow it. them up. We shoot them real good. Uh, they discover really quickly that because Godzilla feeds off of radiation, like, just shooting bombs at him is not really going to do much of anything. Yep. And Unless you shoot a really big bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... You know, Serizawa is mainly walking around the entire movie asking why anyone, why nobody wants to listen to him <laughs> until the point where finally, like, they realize that their human weapons are not enough to destroy this monster to which we get the famous let them fight line. So I was super... Speaking of which, again, this speaks to the difference in cultures between us and Japan, right? I hate the fact that when they're on Honolulu, the 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 Navy SEALs take positioned on the on the uh on the hotels and immediately open fire on godzilla because i'm like what do you think yeah your <laughs> fucking gun is going to do to that giant fucking monster <laughs> and it's like and it doesn't happen just then it happens when the navy seals get attacked by the mudo which by the way the mudo pulls a fucking russian nuclear sub i wanted to see that <laughs> why wasn't that in the movie well don't forget that there's a scene where uh where Ford Brody actually tried shooting the Muto with a handgun. Oh my god, yes! Aiming it, like thinking that it's gonna that it's gonna destroy it. Okay, so the night battle scene in this, because we're not gonna go through this. Scene oh no, by scene. not at all. It's just not that interesting, unfortunately. Well, okay. Now I gotta point out uh inconsistency that leads up to the night battle scene. The monsters get to San Francisco. Okay, cool. You immediately they start raising San Francisco, causes a bunch of ash, right? When this happens, it is in the afternoon, right? They set the bomb. The, because, they, because of the Mudos sending out electromagnetic pulses, they can't use electronics. Which is stupid because they use radios all the time in this movie. But they, they set the bomb. The, the nuke is going to go off in an hour and a half. And the plan was to put the nuke on a boat, send it off 20 miles off the coast, send all so that way the radiation, it gives off enough radiation... So that the monsters go and try to feed on it, which lures them because the surprise, there is a bigger bomb that is going to get blown up by the nuke that's going to be strong enough to kill the monsters. So that's the big plan to kill the monsters. They set, they set it for an hour and a half to detonate because that's how long the plan was going to take. There is so much stuff that happens from the moment they key in the hour and a half to... That when it finally does explode, that the pacing in that last part, like third of the movie is just so screwy and I cannot forgive it. It's so stupid how much they go through. Because there's an entire military operation that happens in the last 20 minutes of the movie that real time only takes like, I don't know, 10 minutes. <laughs> it was so fucking weird how they did it. And so the other problem that I have with the night battle scene with the monsters is, and I just, again, finished Game of Thrones, and most famously the Battle of Winterfell was so fucking dark. You mean like it was dark in see. subject matter and it made you feel uncomfortable? It was so fucking dark that I felt like I was wearing like 20 pairs of sunglasses. <laughs> Like, in this movie, like, when I watched it last night, the portions that I watched, I had to turn the brightness all the way up on the television to get a glimpse of what Godzilla even fucking looked like. Like, the battle that we have here is awesome, 
but it's awful because you can barely see it. And there's some times where the darkness actually super plays into some really cool set pieces that happen. Like when when uh Brody and the rest of the the rest of his unit like have to do the halo jump into San Francisco. Oh, man. Okay. That is awesome. And, and that's the opening scene from the trailer, yep. the first trailer that came out, which made me think it was going to be one of the best movies ever. Yeah, because it is a dope scene. And honestly, I watched in the trailer, I watched in the movie, still a dope scene. Like, before the movie came out, I thought it was going to be that the that the American soldiers were actually going to be working with Godzilla to defeat the monster, and that it was, like, them, like, fighting either whatever tiny monsters would have came off Cloverfield style off of whatever the main monster was in this movie. Which I would have been cool with that! If that was like... If that was like the weird subplot you have for your shitty human characters, fine. I don't give a shit, but you picked the worst possible way! I wish J.J. Abrams would just fucking let his Cloverfield series like cross over with Godzilla one day. Oh my god, dude. I don't know, after the Cloverfield Paradox, that movie's kind of weird. <laughs> it might. It fucking might. But that cool, they have that awesome scene where they parachute through. The other scene that the darkness really works for is when, uh, when, uh, what's his name? When Godzilla charges up the nuclear fire blast. And it starts by charging from the tip of his tail all the way up through his back, start glowing blue right before he shoots it, fire at the Mudo. Mm-hmm. I was like, that was fucking cool. And the only way you can achieve that effect is if you have a really dark background because of the contrast, right? So the fights continue. The small Mudo gets dispatched right away. A lo- I mean, a lot of this final fight is Godzilla getting his ass kicked. And then... um we get that lovely scene that you pointed out where, uh, you know, it looks like Godzilla gets thrown into a, he gets thrown into a building, the building crashes down on him, he looks like he's dead, and then the Mudo, the female Mudo, after losing her babies and after losing her baby daddy, <laughs> is going to eat the nuclear bomb, Brody thinks that with his little 9 millimeter piece... He can fight off this monster one last time. Mm. And then we get that we get that awesome scene where Godzilla saves Brody last possible minute by grabbing the Mudo, pulling her head back, ri- almost ripping her jaws open and shooting fire down her <laughs> fucking throat in one of the coolest most metal scenes I have ever seen. And again, another contrast between this and Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla, like, he does a ridiculous amount of damage, like, when he finally does the radiation breath. Yep. And in that movie, I remember the theater being, like, stone silent when that happened because it was tragic, right? Like, it Yeah, because he was destroying, it was, it like, was people. It was devastating to watch. Yeah. And in this movie, it was more of a, you know, monster battle royale at this point, so... It was a cheer moment when Godzilla finally grabs Amuto by the mouth and shoots fire down its throat. Fucking metal music intensifies. It just... <laughs> it was so fucking dope. Yeah, I definitely like the end of this movie. And, and I love that it ends very shortly after that. Right. I think they, they knew that you were going to shoot your load all over Godzilla killing the Mudo, And then... 
you know, they, they had the, the fucking, like, decency to end the movie. You know, yeah, Brody reunites his family, I don't give a fuck. You know, it just ends with Godzilla going back into the Pacific Ocean and cuts to black. And well, like, before then, too, like, that's when the Brodies are reunited, finally, at yeah, the whatever, end of the fuck film. <laughs> in what's supposed to be the Oakland Coliseum. Oh my god, not again. <laughs> And, uh, you know, during in the Jumbotron, they actually see a news uh, report that's showing Godzilla to where it, like, says, King of the Monsters and Savior of Our City. Which I kind of get, but I kind of don't get it, because he, he was... He didn't save the city, he though! He contributed to the city being destroyed as well, but I guess he kept it from being more destroyed. <laughs> I actually think if Godzilla didn't show up, it wouldn't have been as destroyed. The Golden Gate would still be there. But what I do love about this is that very much like the classic Japanese Godzilla Showa series, the movie ends the way most of those movies did, which was Godzilla being triumphant in the end and going right back into the ocean to come back to fight another day. He's like, call me when you need me, bitches. And he goes back into the water. It was. I will say I love the Godzilla theme yeah. in this movie. Like I love the dope. music. It's it great. Dope. So, this was a very interesting review right because it's a different flavor of episode than what we've normally done and i think the reason for that is because this is a series that has so much to it right yeah and also just the movie itself it's not that deep it's not like you're not you're not really looking to read into too much like yeah there was some good acting at certain points but i came here to watch giant monsters and I think the only thing we can ask ourselves now is, do we like this movie? So I'm going to throw it to you, because honestly, I'm still, I don't know how I can answer yet. I'm going to say I like this movie, <laughs> reluctantly. That was the most, like, <laughs> it hurt you to say you liked it. This is the most reluctant I like this movie ever, because for I love the fucking radiation breath scene so fucking cool i love the monster breath like you know the monster fight at the end um i love sarazawa i think he's a great character and i just like the setup that this movie gives you for where this franchise could go next but i don't like the characters in this movie i'm disappointed by the setting of this movie mm -hmm. and i yeah like i it is the weakest you know, it's the weakest way that I can recommend a movie. Like, I would tell someone, catch it if it's on television. Yeah. I wouldn't force someone to watch it. Yeah. But that said, I'm, I think Kong Skull Island is what brought me back to this, like, series and got mm -hmm. me excited for it again. Uh, because my hype for King of the Monsters is at an all-time high right now. You know what? Um, it's weird because how can I say this with, for it to make sense? Godzilla is my favorite movie that I don't like. If that makes any sort of sense. Like, it's one of those movies that I'm like, I, I was considering buying this movie. And I can say I actually don't like it. There's just way too much going on that it just doesn't hold up well. And that's in the last five years. It doesn't hold up that well. And I think it's because, like you said, this movie has the unfortunate luck of having like of shin godzilla coming out 
like two years after. Yeah, like I would come out of this review actually saying, I like Shin Godzilla. Go watch that. We will <laughs> review that movie, but spoiler alert, we both really like Shin Godzilla. And if you're going to watch a, a Godzilla movie, watch that one instead of this one. And now, that being said, I like Godzilla. I like the scenes with Godzilla. I like the fight. Kind of. I Even like the new was... crazy Inception roar that he has. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> the, that was so bizarre, but it's kind of cool. But I was like, I can't say there's enough to make me want to go watch this movie again. Now, I think Kong Skull Island, like you said, fixed a lot of the mistakes. It, uh, the If you're going to have human characters, at least make them interesting. And boy, did they do that with Kong Skull Island. Yeah. And all I will say uh, around that is Samuel motherfucking Jackson. It's funny that your favorite was Samuel L. Jackson because my favorite from that movie is John C. Riley. <laughs> I think he did so fucking good in that yeah. movie. But definitely, like, I can't in good... If you have to watch this movie, watch it right before you watch uh, Godzilla King of Monsters. You can watch Kong Skull Island, but honestly, find an abridged way to watch the monster fights. Yeah. Maybe, wa- maybe watch it and skip it all the way to the end, like I used to when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, watch, on- only watch until you see monsters. But Kong Skull Island, I definitely recommend that one as well. I, again, there's more hits than misses right now in this uh, franchise, and I think that's what's helping get me through it in terms of things I like. Um, but again, I'm not crazy about this movie, uh, unfortunately, but I am looking forward to the sequel. So we'll see where that goes. Yep. So I think that about wraps up our review of Godzilla 2014. Uh, again, can't stress enough. Go watch Shin Godzilla. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what do we got? I guess, what are some closing thoughts as, you know, Godzilla, by the time this episode comes out, Godzilla King of Monsters is going to be like a week away. So what are what's your hype level for King of Monsters? It sounds like you're really hype. Oh yeah, I'm all time high hype. I think this one I have more hype for than the 2014 one. To be honest, yeah, I can um, see that. 2014, I was a little bit of a surprise, and it came out very quickly. Um, like in terms of when I found out about it and going through it, and I think just because I like the cast of Godzilla King of the Monsters so much more. And because the expectation level was raised by Kong Skull Island. Yeah. Like, it's just, it, again, it is a, it was a good second film, mm-hmm. and it's going to build it all. You know what it, you know what this makes me think of, um, is the original Avengers movie, and how Iron Man was really solid. Yeah. Um, you know, Captain America was really solid. And then you had Thor, which was okay, mm-hmm. and Incredible Hulk, which was okay. Oh, you fuck know, like, you. Incredible Hulk was awesome. I'm not... <laughs> like, you know, again, it's it's like there was the hits and misses, but the Avengers movie... Was the one that fixed it all. Put everything... Yeah, like it fixed all those minor things and put it all together, and that's what I feel like this movie's going to do. It's going to take the problems that I have with this movie and fix them. Yeah. Which is interesting that it's going to do it with a different director. Because I thought that Gareth Edwards was going to be that guy to do that. I'm tapering my my hype for the cast. Because as good as the cast seems, I can, I can tell you, I just finished Breaking Bad, the series, when we watched Godzilla 2014. And I was like, my boner for Brian Cranston was fucking through the roof. <laughs> and I was so excited. I was like, he's going to be this fucking smart-ass scientist. And he's with Ken Watanabe. They're going to work together. And they're going to find a clever way to either help Godzilla or stop Godzilla. 
or they were gonna create Jet Jaguar, and I was gonna get my Jet Jaguar. But then, yeah, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna die on that mountain about how much I love Jet Jaguar. I'm just fucking excited to watch like Lorraine Warren and Eleven fight Godzilla. But you know what? You think you're gonna <laughs> get that? Monsters. But what if Eleven dies in the first thirty oh, yeah. minutes? You know, like then apparently that happened to Brian Cranston. That can happen to anybody. Yeah. So we'll but see. if nothing else, I'm fucking through the moon about the designs for Ghidra, uh, Rodan, and Mothra. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Like, I think it's going to be a really awesome movie. I'm very excited for the monsters that they brought in. So it's not just these random new monsters we made up yeah. for Godzilla to kill in this movie like they did with this or like what they did for the Griffin in the Unmade movie, right? Yeah, like yeah. this was the movie where they were like, "All right, we are bringing back the other fucking Toho monsters the ones that you, you love." Want. And I've wanted an American Godzilla to movie to do this forever. So Geeter looks dope. My boy Rodan looks like he's gonna fuck shit up. So this should be a fun movie. And it looks like there's there's too many monsters not to show them. Yeah. And if they if they do that. I will mail turds to everyone involved with Godzilla King of Monsters if they don't have these monsters like front and center. All right. <laughs> so I would like to thank everybody for uh, listening to this episode um, and uh, continuing to support the show. Where we are just appreciating the feedback that we're getting on social media. Uh, we'd love to get more reviews and more uh, ratings on uh, iTunes if possible. Um, and we are going to go back to Star Wars next week. Whoop, whoop. Our Do We Like Star Wars continues with episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Which is where Anakin finally becomes Darth Vader. And Dude, we'll... spoilers. <laughs> so we'll see how we enjoy that movie when we get to it next week. Hey, Padme, my name is uh, Anakin Skywalker. This is my light guitar. <laughs> Uh, anyway. I'm gonna play Wonderwall all over again. <laughs> I still... <laughs> I can't get over that. I and play Wonderwall? Alright, later turns. <laughs>